0: Ah, Welcome back, everyone. We're going to continue our day. I'm uh, happy to introduce our next speaker, Jean Coffey. Jean is the Director of Nursing Research and Education here at DHMC. Um, Prior to this, she was up at UVM as a nursing professor up there. She received her DNP from the University of Connecticut. Her um, she's also a pediatric nurse practitioner, and she received her certificate at Northeastern. She got her MSN at UVM, she got her BSN at, Nor- at Norwich. So she's been all over the- our lovely state of Vermont, and I'm um, really happy to have her back here. Um, I heard uh, Jean give this talk to a bunch of group of nurse managers in the state, and just loved it so much. And I thought it'd be perfect for you guys, because you work with students all the time, And I think we probably all agree that our kids need to get outside more. So,
1: Jean. Well, thank you for having me here today. I'm acutely aware that I'm between you and lunch, so we will make this efficient. Having also spent a small amount of time as a school nurse, I have deep respect for what you do. And as a nurse practitioner, I couldn't do my job if I didn't have school nurses to work with. So I first want to thank you for what you do for the kids around the community and the state and the region. So what I wanted to talk about today was getting kids outside to play. And if you notice the... the, um, Slides are dense, and I did that purposefully because I wanted to give you data that you could use if you were to go to your school committee or your parent-teacher organization, or there's a lot of research there. So we're not going to cover every single bit on every single slide, and I know that's sort of a faux pas I'm presenting, but I felt like I wanted to give you the data that you could take with you when you left here today, and we can touch on the highlights as we go through. I also want you to leave with a couple things that you could actually do, because I feel like when I go to a conference, I want something that I can do when I leave, so we're gonna talk about that as well. So go outside and play, and we're gonna have, um, this is the, sort of the plan for how we'll proceed. So we had our introduction, and I'm gonna give you a little pretest because we're, you know, you're educators, so, and here are the objectives. So we'll go through these individually as we go through each section of the talk. So here's the pretest. are you ready? You don't have to raise your hand, just sort of answer in your head. So what percentage of 2 to 19-year-olds do you think are overweight? So this is overweight. This isn't obese. So this is in the overweight category by the BMI, the CDC-PMI category, 30. (laughs) And then you add in how many are obese. So that's independent of the obese level. So this is a a large amount of children that we're taking care of and working with on a regular basis. In my practice as a nurse practitioner, sadly, a lot of times at this time of year when kids come in to be seen, they've gained at least 10 pounds over the winter. And for a school-age kid, that's a lot of weight, and sometimes more. And I know that you see this in your practice, I'm sure, because we live in an environment where if you don't like the cold, the winters are long and it's hard to be active. So I think that's one of the things that you know, this talk is really focusing on. Okay, so then, children learn what they live. How many, what percentage of children do you think grow up to be obese adults? So the bad news is it's 80%, the good news is you have an ability to impact this in your role <laughs> working with kids. And I think that's what I keep trying to think about is how can I think about this in a positive way? I personally have to work at this all the time. Like I'm not good at this either, but I've tried to de- de- you know, develop strategies. So this question I want you to answer at the end, these two questions I want you to answer at the end of the talk. Are there physical health benefits to being in natural environments? And are there mental health benefits to being in natural environments? And hopefully you'll be able to answer this with a very strong conviction at the end of the talk because it's supported by science. So this is not news to you. You know this. Kids don't get outside to play. They go home and sit and eat. They do video games. They don't move. And so because of that, our obesity problems continue to grow. To, to layer on to that. Many of our families have food insecurity and so food choices often aren't the healthiest based on financial constraints. And so I think that's something else that we have to think about as we address this. So the current state of nature deficit disorder, this was coined by Richard Louvre many years ago and in his first book called Last Child in the Woods. And some of the causes that he talked about were parental fears, restricted access to natural areas if you live in an urban environment and increased in electronic media. There was a great article in the New York Times that showed concentric circles of where kids could play. When in like my grandparents had the whole town, everywhere, they could go anywhere they wanted. My parents, the circle got smaller. My circle got smaller. By the time my kids who were in their late 30s were playing, the fear of abduction was really a big deal back in the 80s and early 90s. And so the the circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so part of that is that the fear for parents is real because parents want to protect their children. The data doesn't support it. The data supports that most times kids are abducted by someone that knows them. So the fear is really not completely supported by the data. And that's something that we can work with parents around. I think also, you know, working on safe communities and access is a part of what I know schools do. This is a really nice graphic that you can actually get from the National Environmental Education Foundation. And the reason I show it is because I like to provide some things that you can hang around in your offices, in the school hallways, to just continue to talk about being outdoors as it's, it's part of what the culture is. So the National Environmental Education Foundation was um, came out of an act in 1990, and they were built to leverage funds to affect these types of um, studies that couldn't be leveraged as a federal agency. And as a part of this um, Education Act, they looked at one piece of this was looking at getting kids out into nature. And so they there was a team built with a partnership between the Forest Service, the Audubon Society, the National Park Service and the National Environmental Education Foundation and they reached out to healthcare providers because they wanted to work with healthcare providers. So it was one of my first really true interprofessional soirees and it was great. So our national organization, the National Organization of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners put a call out for a representative. And the reason I tell this story is that if you're really passionate about something, go for it. So they called for someone to be their representative and so I thought well, I'm really passionate about this, but I don't have a lot of experience, but I did send them this. So I go camping with my sled dogs all the time, and I said, so I love being outside, I love nature, and so I get the the letter back, and it said, thank you for your application, and I thought the next line was going to be, but we've had, and they said, and we had many people interested, and I figured the next line was going to be, okay, thanks, but no thank you, and they said, and we've chosen you to be our representative, and so this opened my mind to a whole new world about how to think about children, from you know, having been in pediatrics for now 40 years in May it just opened my eyes and so I was invited to this conference in Shepherdstown West Virginia with with nature professionals and the thinking was that the healthcare provider's role was really to promote children getting out into nature and one of the things they talked about was writing prescriptions and we'll talk a little bit about that later in the talk but this was the goal of the initiative is to really partner healthcare professionals including nurses physicians physician's assistants, nurse practitioners to really work with families to help them think about how to be more healthy by being outside. And that's what this initiative has developed. And so part of the presentation today is that I'm considered a nature champion. So for the past seven years, I've been presenting all over New England and and beyond about this topic. Most recently, I was honored to be invited to Denver to the American Public Health Association meeting to present this topic. So it's very exciting. So part of this is studying nature and children. And so what I'm gonna do is go through several slides here with some background, as I talked about, about why it's important for children to be out in nature and what is good about it. But I'm not gonna go again in detail with each one, but I give you this because it will help you, I think, if you're trying to make a case for getting your kids outside more. So one um, report I think that talks to the fact that kids don't get out is in a study of 830 mothers 70% of them said that they played outdoors on a regular basis every day, but 30% of their children play outside. So that to me was striking, like what's happening here? Why is this happening? Because obviously as a parent, they experienced it. Between 1981 and 97, children aged six to eight, spent time spent playing outdoors was decreased by four hours a week. And in a lot of the studies that we're going to look at, just being outdoors keeps you moving and active. You don't have to do anything. There was a study done, which I don't think I quoted in here, looking at kids who went after school to play softball and baseball and kids who just played outside. And they were given actigraphs, which is like the earlier version of a Fitbit, and monitoring their activity. The kids who just went outside after school moved more. Because you know when you're playing softball, you wait for your turn to bat, you wait at the base. Not that it's bad, like it's good. They're outside, they're playing, they're moving. But to point to the value that just opening the door and saying get outside is, is going to make them move. <laughs> so I think that's And as a parent, I, and full disclosure, I forgot to disclose that I have no financial disclosures, but I will say I had three kids in three years, which is insane. And they went outside every day because I needed my sanity. They. <laughs> Winter, spring, fall, whatever. And now they're all, uh, my son today is doing his woofer class renewal. So they're outside all the time. So it's been good for them. So what I'd like to do is now share with you a little video clip and give you a little bit of background about this. So Camilla Rockwell is a movie maker who lives in Vermont, and she um, produced this movie. Let me just make sure I can get this, you know, the, the worry about technology that it's going to work. Okay. So Camilla produced produced a movie called Mother Nature's Child. And when she produced it, she decided to show it around the state of Vermont. And she invited me to go with her and work with a group of, a team of people to watch the movie and then sit with the viewers and have a focus group after the movie. Unfortunately, we didn't gather that data, which I wish we had because it was so amazing. But parents would talk about resonating with this movie. The the reason, this is one of your take homes. This video doesn't cost a lot. And a lot of school districts have actually purchased it and done like a movie night and a focus group afterwards. So this is a really good opportunity. I have no, again, no financial gain, but the topic I think you'll be able to judge yourself. Camilla gave me permission to share the video clip. So let's do that. And then um, we can talk a little bit more about it. So let's hope this works.
0: I remember my mother would say, come home when the sun comes down. And I wouldn't see a parent until I came home. And we don't live in a time like that anymore.
1: When I was a
2: kid, I just spent a lot of time poking around in the mud flats and things like that.
1: A child, I used to play outside and dirty. We used to make mud pies. Now children don't make mud pies. You know they don't make mud pies
2: no more. So I think we protect our kids a right little now from that kind of stuff. We
0: have a lot of organized playthings, We have a lot of sterilized rooms. We have a lot of um, controlled activity, and I feel like our kids are losing touch with me. I was always outside running around when I was a little kid. I was always in the woods, running in rivers, around my neighborhood, in the county, stuff like that. Compared to now, the kids just play video games all the so like
2: Trapped and they're confined in their homes. A lot of the media has gotten young folks and people away from being outdoors. They'll they'll experience in a virtual way, as opposed to really being out there. You know, children today spend, on average, over forty-four hours a, a week in front of a monitor, one sort or of another television screen or, or, a, uh, or a computer monitor, and less than 40 minutes
0: outside. Health has declined, physical health has declined, and mental health seems to be declining as well. And by that I mean, besides the obvious increases of asthma and obesity and um, inattention, we also have bullying and aggression.
2: For all of human history and prehistory, children spent their formative years either playing or working in natural settings. And so within the space of maybe three decades, we're seeing the virtual disappearance of this relationship between children and nature. This generation of children may be the first to really have a disconnection from nature that is considered the norm. Evolution doesn't happen that quickly. We're experimenting with our children and basically raising them under protective house arrest. And this has happened quite suddenly, and there have to be implications to that, psychological, physical, spiritual. E.O. Wilson talks about what he calls his biophilia hypothesis, which is that we are hardwired to our nature. We need it, and when we don't get enough, we don't do so well. <laughs> you can
1: tell they school nurses. We're
2: like, involved <laughs> we in a biocentric world. Why do we like rainbows? You know, Why do we like fast-flowing streams? Why do we like seeing often long distances but from a protected setting? (laughs) That's the environment we evolved under, but we live in a very different world today. And in fact, progress in civilization is measured by how much we've transcended those biological and animal roots.
1: So that's a snippet of the video. Um, Let me go back here. And so I want to just thank Camilla because she did give me permission to do that. So what happened was we showed this video and we had this amazing rich discussion with parents about the challenges of getting kids outside, about the challenges of, of being worried about their children, about injuries. Like, if you continue to watch this, they show kids doing stuff that as the pediatric nurse, you're like, ah, oh, but it's fine, they do fine, you know? So I think it's a very nice, so that's, that's one of your take homes for today. So then we're gonna go through some of these um, fairly quickly because I wanna leave a little time for discussion at the end too. So um, restorative, you know, Nature is restorative, it's therapeutic. As we talked about, just being out there, you move more. Um, It really has been shown to be helpful for kids who have attention problems. And there are a couple studies that looked at that. And so overall, it really does help. So here's one, um, for every hour outside, physical activity increased by 27 minutes per week. So yes, there's some standing around, but it really does help. So when you think about taking away recess, this is really tough because you're taking away this time. And there are opportunities to learn in the outdoors, and that's a whole nother, I don't know if anyone knows about the In Bloom conference that's that's, um, presented by Antioch College. They go into all kinds of creative ways to use nature to teach. So I think that's another opportunity that we won't won't cover today, but it certainly can justify getting the kids outdoors. Parks and physical activities, being near a park, obviously helps. And so this one actually, if they lived in near one or more parks, they had what was called um, moderate to vigorous physical activity. So depending on where you live, so your built environment makes a big difference. And it is tough in a rural environment because kids often aren't near a place where they can walk to a park, so that makes it a little bit more challenging. A larger study, even in Los Angeles, showed that kids had more physical activity living near a park. So even in an urban area, being near a park is helpful. So when you think about your school playground, that is a really important centerpiece of the community and that, you know, the more that can be done to develop that playground, the better it is for the kids in the town. So different groups have obviously gotten behind this because they realize it's a good thing, and the American Academy of Pediatrics had a statement in 2006 and followed it again with another statement endorsing physical activity for children. Nature alone can influence recovery, and this was a study that I remember from when I was in nursing school, which is a long time ago. Um, comparing 23 matched pairs of patients who underwent a cholecystectomy. And so this was in the late 70s early 80s and back then a cholecystectomy was a pretty big deal. It was a big incision, people were in the hospital for a long time. So not the, you know, the laser um, type that we do now. But thinking about that they randomly assigned them to rooms with looking at a brick wall or a view of nature. And the findings were that those looking at nature actually had shorter post-op stays, fewer negative comments from the nurses, which I don't know if I'd use that as a measure now in research (laughs) or (laughs) I can't speak for their research methodology, and then less analgesics. So viewing nature alone, which is really interesting because when you look at this it makes you wonder about our hospital because so many of the rooms do face out to nature and looking at that compared. But there were some other studies done too with people who exercise indoors and what they watch. So if they watch CNN versus they had this beautiful, you know, nature scape in front of them that they had a better, they had lower blood pressure, they had better outcomes from their exercise. So um, this is another one where they used, they did a flexible bronchoscopy, which being a nurse, you know, that's an unpleasant experience. And using um, the pain control was better when they used nature as a distraction. This was really interesting to me. I learned at that conference that nature helps crime rates. So you would think that a lot of vegetation would like let people like, you know, sneak around and hide and everything, and what they found was that because if you have nice vegetation outside, people are looking outdoors more and they're paying attention to what's happening outdoors and so there's less crime. So I thought that was interesting. Then the mental, you know, there's physical and mental well-being. And here's one where it talked about the mental well-being of exercising outdoors. Um, A short walk or run outdoors or indoors. Nine of the 11 11 trials showed that there was better mental well-being when the person was outdoors. And that there was great, the other thing too is that there was greater intent to repeat the activity. So not only was it pleasurable to the person at the time, but it left a lasting impression that it was something that they would want to do again. And we all know that continuing activity is really hard because every January lots of people decide they're going to exercise, but continuing that activity is tough. So this is an important piece of that study. Um, Does it improve inattentiveness? So this was a study that was done with parent self-report about children's symptoms. And they had an indoor setting with a windowless room and a natural outdoor setting. And what they found, the outcome measures they were looking at was inability to stay focused, inability to complete tasks, inability to listen. So this sounds familiar to you, right? There are many kids that have these challenges in my patient practice as well. And so what they found was that the activities in natural settings were helpful to reduce that inattentiveness. And as tree cover increased, the symptom inattentiveness decreased, which I thought was really interesting. And oftentimes, like when I'm on a walk, like on the rail trail, I'm thinking, oh, good, I'm going to be more attentive now that I'm under the trees. (laughs) Even things like doing puzzles, the kids did better after they had a walk on the puzzle problem. So... For all of this, and and this is not limited to children, like we could all benefit from this. And here's again, um, oops, sorry, I skipped that one. And this one looked at impulse control. So the AAP again, you know, play is the child's work. And so, again, the AAP is, again, endorsing the benefits of play, the benefits of being outdoors. So where am I going with all this? Well, our role is really to promote nature. And in my former practice, this this was my exam room. So we each had our own exam room, and we could decorate it any way we wanted. So I had – this was the border. This was a bear that was in a tree of one of the docks backyard in the town. So the kids were like, whoa, I could see a bear if I was outside. And I was like, yeah, you could see all kinds of things. So it prompted a really good conversation. Then on the other wall, which I don't have a picture of, was a big collage with all kinds of animals outdoors and tracks and all kinds of things like that. So, what can we do? So, let's get concrete about this. So, we need to recognize that families use the internet. Duh, I know that. That's kind of a, when I read this this morning, I thought that's like an understatement. But how do we harness that? And there are actually some really good websites that you can go to, both to give information, but I don't have it on here, but I can send it to Joan. um, Ranger Rick has a website. I think it's Ranger Rick, but I got to cor- be sure. That has a website that where you can go on the website and you can find like tracks for animals. And then they have this whole little lesson. And then at the end it says, now go outside and find these tracks. So it, it harnesses the internet to direct them to go outside, which is really good. And these are all kind of the bread and butter things that we know we need to talk about the, you know, that we talk about to kids all the time. Encouraging them at some activity outdoors is better than none. So even if it's 20 minutes, even if it's walking home from school instead of getting a ride. Um, And the thing that's very important is the unstructured exploratory part of play. And we were watching that little guy at the Beaver Dam. All the things that he was doing, he was working on his balance. He was, you know, his tactile senses on on the rough bark. Um, listening skills, you know, because he heard something and then he wanted to figure out what that was. So there's so much benefit from unstructured play. And then becoming advocates in the school. And I know this is really tough because at one point I was on a group, um, a learning collaborative of preschool teachers who were trying to look at their practice and get kids out more. And I know that it's always challenging. So then the other thing that came out of all of this when I went to Shepherdstown was prescribing nature. And so at some of these focus groups that we had with the, um, with the parents after watching the movie Mother Nature's Child, they said, you know, if you told them to go outside because you're their health care provider, I think they would listen to you. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. But I also wondered, I'm a health care provider. You all know when you take your kids to the or grandkids or family members to the doctor, we don't have as much time as we used to, about probably 12 minutes when it's all said and done. So out of that 12 minutes or 15 minutes, is writing a prescription that takes about two minutes the right way to do this? And I really questioned that, not questioning endorsing going out, but really questioning, is that the right way to do it? And there's been a few different versions of prescriptions. This happens to be one from the National Environmental Education Foundation. So at this meeting, I said, well, has anybody studied this? And they said no. And I thought, okay, so then we're going to study it. So I did my first study, which was an epic failure, because I asked parents to self-report. And it was the overreporting was fascinating because I asked them how often kids went out at school and I knew how often they went out at school because I was on a group and we were talking about the time and everything. And they all overreported. So I shut the study down because it wasn't gonna work. Because basically the premise of the study was if you reported that they went out less than so many hours a week, I gave you a prescription, I gave you a postcard. If you send the postcard back, I gave you a little animal, you know, I had this whole thing and it was a disaster. But So then I was like, okay, well that didn't work. What could we do to measure this? So the next thought was, what if we worked with the state parks and tried to get families to go to the state park? And so in the spring of um, 2013, we had um, recruited pediatric providers, nurse practitioners and pediatricians, to become part of this project. And so 11 offices, I put it out in an email with the president of the Vermont American Academy of Pediatrics and 20 minutes later, I started getting emails. So clearly, we're all looking for what we can do to help kids to be healthy. So we got 11 practices and they were given Um, a fact sheet about nature, which I'll show you at the end that you can have access to as well, and a supply of prescriptions. And they could write them any way they wanted, if they wanted to do it during a well-child visit, if they wanted to do it during an ill visit, however they wanted to do it. Write the prescriptions, and the prescription is a free pass to the state park. Mm -hmm. And very kindly, the state park collected the prescriptions all summer, like they would a check or cash. And at the end of the summer, they gave them back to me. So we gave out 5,000 prescriptions across the state. And here are just some of the, we weren't quite as distributed as I would have liked, but not bad for a pilot. And here's the, um, so we gave out a certain amount to each practice. And I want you to notice practice number 11, which is the last one on the bottom. So I didn't give them as many because it was a single practitioner. And I thought, okay, they won't need as many. Well, I was wrong. Notice that number 11 on the far right wrote every one but one prescription. He wrote 198. I think I all told 198. So he was like a superstar. And so I wondered what he did. So I asked him, and I said, what what did you do? Yeah, he wrote 97% of the prescriptions, and 35% of them were redeemed, which wasn't too bad. Because if you look back at the other data, um, total only 13% was redeemed out of the number written. So I asked him what he did, and he said, I told everybody about the park. I go there. It was near his office, which helped, and it was within distance that people could get to. So that all helped as well. But clearly his enthusiasm helped his redemption rate, because and here's the redemption to written rate. And here was just the redemption rate by park. So some of the things that may have impacted, um, and again, when you do research, there's a lot of things you don't have control over. It was the wettest summer on record. So I looked out the window every day and thought, good, Gene, this was a really good summer to do your research. <laughs> <laughs> there was snow on, Mount, on in Stowe on May 26th. <laughs> so only the hardy probably went out because as of June 30th, the visits were down 25%. But excitingly, maybe it could have been even better if we had a better Summer. But anyway, so then we started thinking about our superstar and we wondered, like, did his behavior really impact the patients? So I was working with a master's thesis student and she wanted to understand that. So she went back and looked at a literature review. And this really does speak to us as providers. Is what we do enough to impact? our patient's behavior by how we talk to them, how we motivationally interview them, whatever you want to call it. are We as their cheerleader, educator, does that make a difference? So she decided to do a secondary study looking at whether the nature connectedness of the provider made a difference. And so in the interest of time, because I want to give us a little time to give you some things to take away with you. um, So our hypothesis was that if you had a stronger connection to nature, you probably would do better at handing out the prescriptions. And we used a reliable scale that measures your nature connectedness. Bet you didn't know there was such a thing. And I didn't either, but now I do. And then the other thing was, does being part of this program impact your behavior? So every Friday, I would send an email out to all the participants. Hey, don't forget about writing your prescriptions. Here's some things going on at the park. Here's some more nature stuff you can use. So what she found was, and I'll skip all this boring methodology stuff, um, (laughs) is that. let me get to this. So what the bottom line was is that it didn't matter. There It was, was a small study, so we can't rule it in or out, but it wasn't strong enough to rule out the fact that you don't have to be nature-related to be supporting this. So I thought that was actually a good thing because I felt like, okay, um, let me get to the chart here so you can see it. So basically... I think that this could still be positive, even if someone isn't a nature lover. We need a bigger sample to really understand this better, but I think it's a good start. And. Um If you want to read more about it, it actually is... I'll I'll kind of skip through all this. And you have all this in your slides, you can get to it. So this is the manuscript that just came out in December. So it gives you all the details that if you're really interested in, in looking at this. But I think the positive thing is that it could be a positive program, whether someone liked nature or not. And clearly there was an enthusiasm to do this, and people approached us to do it again the next summer. So that was exciting. And it's still being done on some level on some small scale without a study around the state. But think about like your role. Could you write a nurse's note to get outside? Like you write them for other things, right? So maybe that's something that you could do on the weekend, like take this home to your mom and have you go outside. So I think it could be positive. So what are some things that you can use? Some tools. So the Children's and Nature um, Initiative has a website and they have very nice materials and um Part of the PowerPoint that I am using today is their training PowerPoint, and you're welcome to take it and download it and customize it. So if you wanted to do a parent meeting or a teacher faculty meeting, you can take those materials and customize them to your setting. They also have um, these peer reviewed publications there. They have these little nature brochures that you can download or order. And then this is the thing that I really like a lot because this is sort of a synopsis of what we breezed through this morning as far as the research. So it takes each one of those studies and sort of makes it digestible to talk to parents or fellow teachers about or the community members. So it's a nice nice fact sheet. And, again, you can download that. The other thing to know, and unfortunately we don't have a lot of national parks in our part of the country, but there are free national park days where people can go in and be – for free admission, and these power um, these actual you know um, slides were developed by some members of the committee, so I wanted to give them um, recognition so in the last few minutes that we have left i, wa- I want to give you some activities because I promised i 'd give you some stuff to take home so Animal Olympics is a really good one because you can set up two boxes or books or whatever, and then um, a timer, So everybody's got a cell phone with a timer on it. And you tell everybody to be a frog. And then you think about, well, what do frogs do? They have long back legs. They have, you know, so you can talk about frog characteristics. Where do frogs live? Where would I find one if I was outside? And then you ask them to jump between the two boxes and count how many jumps they've made and how long it takes them. And then they may, you know, try to perf- perfect their technique. So this could go on forever. And actually, when I did the emblem, you know, I can, um, Being a grandma and being slower than I used to be, I have to think of things where I don't have to chase them, but they get busy. So, you know, like, oh, let's do frog (laughs) animal Olympics. (laughs) So, But actually, you're doing a lot of things. You're getting them active. You're talking about an animal in nature. You're talking about the environment where that animal may be found. And you may encourage them, like, oh, when you go home tonight like, or tomorrow, maybe you'd want to go out and find a frog. The other one that's even better, where you don't even have to have them jump, is you just stand there and be a hummingbird. (laughs) Like, how many (laughs) times? This was great, you know, get them tired. But again, talking about what... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, talking about, like, what hummingbirds do, where they live, where you might find them. You know, do you have a hummingbird feeder? So it's, it's a compilation of skills that you're bringing to that child. And even if they just walk around their backyard looking for the hummingbird that most likely they won't find, but they don't know that, um, you know, you, you can keep them out there for a long time. And they may find some other stuff. They'll find a worm. They can find some leaves. So it really doesn't have to be complicated. And then these are some other ones. This one... <laughs> I really like this one, too, the squirrel. Like if, you know, you think about how they can run on all these skinny, tiny things. So do the – this is sort of like the DUI test, but you're doing the squirrel instead. (laughs) Unfortunately, everybody knows what that is. But, you know, trying to walk a straight line, trying to see about – and you're helping them with their balance. And, again, you could talk about squirrels. Like, gee, squirrels gather food at the end of the summer, and they spend less time outdoors over the winter. And you could talk about hibernation. And then the other one, the heron, again, you could do that at the desk. Like how long – can you stand on one foot? I'm doing it. <laughs> so these are kind of fun activities that kids can do at the And um, I think when we went to the conference, there was actually a website. And again, I can find that for you because I forgot to do that this morning. The other thing, there are through different organizations. I think this one is from Audubon, a little outdoor book. And it has things in it, like I'll read you one of the passages. It talks about rocks and stones. And it says, hold a rock in your hand, close your eyes, and feel it. So it gives you some tactile guided imagery exercises that you can do. And then on the other side, there's a little place for them to write a little bit if they're old enough to do that, to re- like journal about their experience. There's another cool one called Nature Rings. And it comes on a carabiner. And it's laminated pictures of items in nature, like a honeybee, a leaf, a rock moss, and then you take that and you go outdoors with the kids and they have their nature rings and they're finding these items as they're out in the outdoors. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of ways to get kids out into nature. And then the other thing is just open the door and tell them to go outside. <laughs> One thing that you'll, they talk about in the Mother Nature's Child video is that playgrounds that were set up with playground equipment are really not as helpful as just being outdoors because everything is symmetrical, when you go up the, the playground steps, everything is symmetrical. You know, there's, there's no variation for you to think. So once you've done it a couple times, like you see the kids, they keep going up and down, up and down, but there's no opportunity for them to think. And in this movie, not to spoil it for you because I hope you get to see it, this woman who was talking about the asthma and, and the increase in illness, she runs a daycare, and I actually met her, and she's phenomenal. She takes the kids, she's in the middle of Washington, D.C., she takes them to a little park with a river running through it and they show video there's a a rock wall like sort of up from the little brook and the kids are climbing they're like 3. And you know again the the when everybody in here was like <gasps> <laughs> the same thing but she said she's never had a bad injury. They bring their their clothes to be outdoors, their boots and everything and then she said they're all healthy. She hardly ever has kids sick because they go out every day no matter what. Obviously, the climate isn't quite as harsh as it is in New England. But she said, I want you to come and study my kids and see how healthy they are. But her anecdotal reports are that she has very few absences. She's never had to close close the daycare for illness. It's pretty impressive. And, And they're out there exploring their environment. Because when you're climbing on a rock wall, there's asymmetry. And you have to plan, like, okay, where am I going to put my foot next? Where am I going to put my hand next? So cognitively, it's really developing these kids in a different way. So in sort of closing everything up, because remember I reminded you that I'm between you and lunch, so I don't want (laughs) to be too... to hold that up. But really, if you think about today, what I hope you take away from today is that being outside is good <laughs> and that there doesn't have to be an elaborate plan to get kids outside, that some very simple strategies can be used to get kids to be outside in nature, and that you have a plethora of studies to support this if you need to make a case for this. And then the take homes are the Mother Nature's Child video, which I highly recommend. You know, some PTOs actually purchased it and then used it as a you know, a parent night activity. Um, Some libraries have purchased it, so that's a possibility. And it might even be available interlibrary loan from your town, because I'm sure there are some towns around that have purchased it. Um, And then the other take-homes are are, uh, resources from the National Environmental Education Foundation. And you have copies of all the PowerPoints, right? I didn't change anything for today except the picture at the beginning. That was my granddaughter. so. Um, So questions, comments? challenges, successes in this, in our few minutes left. Go ahead. What was the name
0: of that little book that from Audubon?
1: Oh yeah, this is called um, reading, reading the Book of Nature. And it comes from, um, there's a, uh, what I'll do is, do you have contact if I send you the, the there's a, um, a website where you can order it. And I'll also send you the nature circles there's a website where you can order those too. And you know, you could even make these. Like you could get a bunch of magazines and have kids cut pictures out of magazines and paste them on cards. I mean, to, you know, so there isn't a cost. But it's just a nice idea because it kind of guides your walk through nature. Other questions, comments? Well, thank you so much for your time. And I actually brought some of my cards, so if you have questions or you can't find a resource that I talked about today, I'm happy to try to get you, you know, in touch with that and um I appreciate your time, and thank you for what you do for kids around the state.
0: Wow. All right, so it's lunchtime. Actually, ended a little early, so you didn't get extra time. Um, We are scheduled to be back here at 1.15. I think lunch may be outside. I don't know if it's arrived yet, but if not, it'll be here. Thank you.